everybody and welcome back to football in the NFL and more specifically should I say blue is the cutter the return of the Chelsea podcast which I think I started around two and a half weeks ago and this is the second one obviously there was an international break so I didn't do one over there and I waited after last weekend because I wanted to do it after the uh, Chelsea Valencia game so I could talk a bit about both games to City and Valencia we have West Ham up next so I think I'll kick it off with the more current uh, topic, which was the Har Valencia game. And I'm really just going to discuss a little bit about the Valencia game. What I thought we did well, what I thought we did badly. And uh, when it comes to what you thought I did well, the best thing I can think of is the fullbacks. Um, Aspilicueta and um, Reese James simply have to be our full starting fullbacks from now on. In Marcus Alonso and Emerson, we have two left-backs that aren't... I don't want to be harsh to Emerson, because he was great for a large portions at the start of the season. But, I don't know. Sometimes he... It's, I think Aspilicueta, Reese James, he's youthful, he's energetic, he's fast. He's played in a few... He played against... Started against Crystal Palace. Played in, I believe, two or three Champions League games this day. Definitely played against Lille. And came on and scored the equaliser against Ajax. He really is showing that he can be the man. Not to mention that outstanding performance against Grimsby. Grimsby. And I think, yeah, he has to start for me. And Aspilicueta, he's the captain. He is the experienced head. So he should go in there. And I thought that was very good of Frank Lampard. To put uh, Aspilicueta over at left back. And realise how well it did work when uh, when we were making a comeback against Ajax. I believe, how many weeks ago was that now? Yeah, but uh, he's gone gone with it, and I think we should stick with that for the West Ham game. Uh, another thing uh, I think went very well for us is Kepa. Uh, I mean, that penalty save is absolutely outstanding. Not much he could have done for either of the goals. I thought he, overall he was a very solid figure. Made, I believe, four saves on the night, including that penalty save. And I thought after a shaky game against Manchester City, he was quite strong. And uh, in this game again, obviously, we have to talk about the main man, Mateo Kovacic. Uh, he has to go down as one of the best things about that performance. Man of the match, got his first ever goal for Chelsea, which really has been coming. He's been phenomenal this the season. If you can think back to my Premier League, well, not Premier League prediction, sorry, second ever podcast I did was the top five best and worst transfers of the summer, which was an absolutely appalling uh, <laughs> two top fives. Everyone I said that would, uh, it seems as though everyone that I said was a bad transfer, bar Griezmann, who I actually was only an honourable mention, and I left off the list there, uh, seems to have come pretty good. And uh, if you want me to review that, uh, please let me know because... I really did make a fool of myself on that, despite it being, I think, my second most popular podcast ever. But I've got Kovacic on that, and he truly has proved me wrong. Very dynamic, brilliant on the ball, and uh, finally got that first goal. Really ran the show, and he's another person I'd like to talk about um, when it goes into the Manchester City performance. Uh, But he was phenomenal in this game, Kante as well. Got a yellow card for one of the best tackles I've seen all season, which didn't make any sense, but yeah, he was good again. And um, it's something I want to talk about a bit later on. But um, that midfield is going to be very, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how it shapes out because of 
That's an accident. I'll leave it for another while. And uh, in attack, Pulisic got another Champions League goal. Not the, I don't think it was his best ever performance by any stretch, but uh, got the goal, which is um, always important. But the bad is the more relevant issue as we were not good in this game whatsoever. Valencia could easily have won that game despite the stats being very similar, I believe. 50-50 possession, both had six shots on target. But uh, and they had like two more shots on us, eighteen to sixteen. It was like ridiculously close. But um, the thing that uh, for me was truly telling in this uh, game was that the just the balance of the game. Which if you were watching it, you know what I mean. It always seemed to be Valencia. They could have got seven in that game, in my opinion, and especially at the end after we'd let the one goal lead slip, after we got the two one lead slip. And had saved a penalty in that, uh, in the lead up to that, and, and t- they should have scored at the very end again. It really should have been Valencia's win, and um, one of the reasons for that, Christensen and Tamori. I mean, I have no idea why you would uh, bring them back into the team as the defensive partnership that shipped uh, two goals against Norwich, four against Manchester United. They're not a good combination whatsoever. Tamori and Zuma. Neither of them are perfect centre-backs. Tamori is a lot more talented, in my opinion, but they make up for each other's flaws at times, I think. Christensen, he, he just does nothing overly bad and nothing overly good. He doesn't contribute anything. You'll never see a goal that it looks like it's Christensen's fault, but he just doesn't contribute much. He's just an okay, middle-of-the-table centre-back. Nothing phenomenal, nothing particularly bad. A club like, where could he end up? A West Ham is around his level, I'd say. And uh, yeah, I thought that was a poor decision from Frank Lampard, even if he is trying to rest younger and tomorrow. But in such an important game, I wouldn't have taken the risk on Christensen and we conceded two goals. Uh, another thing I want to talk about, Jorginho. He, well, I'll bring this into the midfield debate because he was not good against this, against this in this game. And since Kante's come back, that Jorginho and Kovacic midfield was so good. But Kante has to start. He's our best player by a long stretch. And he needs to start in this, uh, he needs to start in this Premier League, uh, in, the, in this Chelsea midfield. And um, another player who I feel needs to start, and I think we've really, really missed him the last two games, is Mason Mount. I mean, the first. Oh, I've been, I think, overly critical of Mason Mount this season, at especially in recent times, since he hasn't been getting the same amount of goals and assists as he was doing prior. But in this game, it really in these last two games, uh, Man City and the and Valencia, uh, it really has shown that the four two three one is the superior alternative, and that one of those midfield three, despite all being so good. One of them needs to make way because Mason Mount, I think, he's a very dynamic player, and I really like him. Even if you don't think it should be Mason Mount, we definitely we're definitely better in the four two three one with that attacking uh, centre mid. Maybe Ruben Loftus Cheeks gets in there as he comes on, but for me the four two three one is um, much a better formation for us with the double pivot and. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to see who is going to make way out of that midfield three. And it's Kovacic and Jorginho. And on card form, Jorginho, much as I love him, he, he, has to, he has to make way. He wasn't good in this game, conceded a penalty. In my opinion, it was a penalty. 
uh, the coming together of the legs, it was a stupid challenge. And uh, against City as well, wasn't great. Lost the ball for that goal. And this Kovacic and Kante midfield duo in the pivot. I don't know if it is the right one because obviously Kante does like to get these days. Does like to get it forward a bit more, but for me, four two three one is the better formation for us, and we should, we should stick with that. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting for me to see who makes way. On current form, I think Jorginho probably deserves to, to keep Mason Mount in there. But uh, yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure about that, because I think over the course of the season, Jorginho has been better on Kovacic, but on current form, it's Kovacic. Kante needs to start in there. Uh, that duo of Kovacic and Jorginho worked very, very well for a large part of the season. So, do you keep it there? It's up for debate, but for me, it's Kovacic and Kante that should be our double pivot in the midfield. And, um, yeah, and the other big thing that uh, I think was a problem for Chelsea in this game is Tammy Abraham's injury. I mean, he didn't play particularly well. Um before he was substituted and uh, then he was he, he's got injured and I really really worry Michi Bashuai coming in that striker I mean he was a headless chicken against uh, Valencia he didn't know what he was doing uh, falling over himself the entire time and I just have a lot more confidence in Tammy Abraham and it really will be a test of our attacking depth when um, Bashuai comes in, he's been good at par at times this season. Uh, scored a goal against Manchester United in the League Cup. Scored a goal. He scored the winner against Ajax, and I believe he scored a hat trick against Grimsby. But um, and a goal against Southampton as well. He has got a few goals, but um, clearly is inferior to Kante overall in his play and. I mean, not Kante, <laughs> sorry, I uh, don't know where my head is at today, but Tammy Abraham. And, um, yeah, that should be another interesting thing, but I'm going to move back, back in time to uh, the weekend where Chelsea faced Manchester City. And uh, we lost this game 2-1, haven't won since the return of the international break, which is a little bit of a concern, Does that's kind of... That kind of does heap a bit of pressure onto this West Ham game at home this weekend, which I'm going to preview later on. But, um, yeah, in this game we lost 2-1, took the lead. Play with the 4-3-3 as well, which I didn't. I don't think is our best option. And, yeah, in this game, really, I thought, yeah, it showed a lot of progression. We were kind of not too far away from City, but... Uh, for me, in this game, um, we just really never looked like we were pushing on to score once we went 2-1 down. The goals we conceded were very poor and uh, really weren't able to respond in any real fashion against Manchester City, which, as a team which is aiming to become the best team in the league within the next three years or so, I would say, uh, it was worrying that we didn't have that answer and... Uh, the last six games, all been against bottom half of the table teams. Fantastic run of form. But now we're getting truly tested against them. Um, some tougher opposition. I mean, we have Spurs and Arsenal still to come in the first 
batch of like 19 fixtures and um it should be it should be a big challenge for us as well and i'm not uh, i'm very complacent about this topic is the best way i can describe because i don't want to be too harsh on them they've been great so far this year but in these games i have to start judging them at this stage as a good team as the third best team in the league i can't be at the start of the season like we were clapping them off the pitch for a good performance against liverpool I mean, not getting overly, not going, not getting on their backs after an absolutely horrendous performance against Manchester United, and um, it's just, uh, it's just I don't want to be too harsh, but I have to say that um, it's at times it wasn't good enough against Valencia and Manchester City. Yes, there was a few ripe sparks. Kante was phenomenal in that game. But overall, I'm uh, I'm very disappointed by the last two games. Thankfully, though, the Premier League table, if I just get it up here for myself, um, I believe we're currently in fourth position. But obviously, the main thing is that there is such a big gap between the top four and the rest of uh, the Premier League. And Chelsea currently find themselves seven points ahead of Wolves, who, in my opinion... And they've won four games all year. It's it's and Chelsea won double that. So um, it truly is a str- It's truly is as optimistic, but there are definitely some concerns around Chelsea at this time, where it was so much optimism, and uh, now I think we're being brought back down to earth a little bit. But um, by no means am I gonna start. Uh, even out to this Chelsea team 100% yet, but uh, yeah, I'm now looking at, I'm now looking at the Premier League table, and um, our main rivals for the top four, in my opinion, as per my uh, Tottenham's, well, Tottenham mania, I suppose you could say, uh, my main rivals for the top four, I was, I'd say, are Tottenham, who are currently on 17 points after a terrible start to the season yet are only nine points away from Chelsea. So West Ham game is big. I'll preview that now, actually. West Ham, to, uh, for those of you who don't know, are on an absolutely terrible run of form. They haven't won since that United game. They've lost, I believe, their last three games. And then I think they've lost their last three games, which and before that was a draw. So really are on a terrible run of form. And... Um, that was a draw against Sheffield United and before they lost the game after that. And uh, I believe they lost against Crystal Palace before that and Drew Bournemouth. So th- they haven't won in forever. It's basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, and their team is looking bad. It looks... Declan Rice has been found out this year. He's not the he's not the calibre of midfielder that uh, a lot of people have thought he is. I, like, to, to be fair to Declan Rice, I absolutely hate the man. But he is... He, I don't know how he can be expected and of his qualities to anchor down an entire West Ham midfield but they've consistently had to put bring Mark Noble in and he's just not that calibre player that can make up for the flaws of Noble and the flaws of West Ham's defence and midfield in general uh, Pablo Fornal since he's come in has been nothing short of an abomination Hasn't scored or assisted, just not the player we've seen with the Spanish under-21s. 
Yeah, Malenko's performing okay. Felipe Anderson. What what can I say about this man? So far this year, he's three assists, no goals. Which is uh, not terrible, but um, still per- still pretty bad. And um, I believe he scored one goal in the last half of last year. So in 2019, for a man who was being linked with all the top, was, uh, people were saying in the future maybe he could be a 100 million sale for West Ham United. Has scored maybe one or two goals in the entirety of the calendar year for West Ham. Which is really, really damning for him. I mean, if you look at last year, he was great. But his stat, like it was nine goals, six assists. It wasn't phenomenal. It was nowhere near what people were making him out to be. Although he was very influential in different parts. But uh, yeah, he hasn't been the same player this year. As for Sebastian Haller, I don't want to be too harsh on him. The man hasn't scored since, what, the Crystal Palace game, which was five games ago, I believe. Four goals, two assists in, in uh, as he started every game, 13 games since the season, but uh, he started every game bar one, so 12 games, four goals, two assists. It's a goal contribution every other game. Not terrible, but not what you'd be expecting from him. And, uh, yeah, there's also big flaws in the defence. Conceded three against Tottenham. Uh, last week, the week before that, three against Burnley, and the big man is Roberto. Fabianski, in my opinion, is I'd put him maybe Ederson, Allison are obviously better than him. I'd put De Gea ahead of him, and then it's competition between him, Kepa, him and Kepa really. Maybe Patricio, and I'd probably put him fourth best goalkeeper in the league, but. Um, yeah, but Roberto, I put as the worst goalkeeper in the league, hands down. The man is atrocious. I mean, punching the ball into his own net, he's embar- he's an embarrassment to himself on the football pitch. There's no way the man should even be a professional footballer, never mind starting in the Premier League for a club like West Ham United. And uh, that's just the honest truth about it. I, uh, I can't censored any other way and he is a big weakness which Chelsea must exploit in this game as for the centre-backs Ogbonna has been not great this early year and Issa Diop obviously is suspended until the four, well he's suspended for the next game which is another plus for Chelsea so you're looking at Ogbonna and Balbuena will be the centre-backs Fredericks and Creswell as the full-backs I uh, believe Creswell's still getting in there ahead of Masuaku. Yeah, he is. Uh, Masuaku got uh, reg- suspended, I believe, and uh, hasn't got back in the team since. So uh, it's it's not a great team. For the money that's been spent on the West Ham team, my predicted lineup with that back four that I've all before mentioned, Roberto, the midfield two of Noble, Rice, the front four, like Lanzini, Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson, Haller, it is not a good. It's not a good team, in my opinion. Um, I think Chelsea can, one hundred percent exploit it. But there is the added. There, there is. It's always a worry when it comes to West Ham. I believe in the past they've been kind of a bogey team for us, and uh, there's a there kind of be a bogey team for us, and obviously London rivalry. And West Ham is one of those clubs that they never achieve anything. So these London rivalries, they treat as their cup finals, in a way. And Manuel Pellegrini, under the cosh a lot. The players could come out 
playing for him in case he gets a sack if they like him. Not 100% sure. And uh, yeah, even though I've said only bad things about them since the start, they could have easily. They, I mean, they nearly came back against Spurs last game, but uh, <clears throat> we're quite poor for the vast majority of it. And um, for me, we should be winning this game. Uh, as for my predicted lineup, I'd say the same fullback. Uh, Kepa obviously in goals. He picks himself. Willie Caballero. I love Willie, but he's never coming. He's never coming back into a competition with Kepa. Uh, fullbacks, like I've said, Aspilicueta and Reese James, my preferred fullback partnerships, and I reckon Frank Lampard will stick with them. Tomori and Zuma, I can see that coming back. I believe Antonio Rudiger um, is. Antonio Rudiger is close to uh, return. I'm not sure if he'll be fit for this game. But, um, yeah, if he is, that would be absolutely phenomenal for Chelsea. Uh, he is, in my opinion, still our best centre-back. And uh, I've heard rumours that he's back in training. I'm not 100% sure. I think it might be like he's still not 100% match fit. That's the only played 45 minutes since, I don't know, May or something. And, uh, yeah, so he probably won't be back. So I'd say Zuma and Tomori will resume their partnership. There's doubts over Hudson and Joy and Barkley. Uh, obviously, um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is still not back. Uh, when is he expected back? Still an unknown return date. And, uh, yeah, that midfield three, even though I think Mason Mount should go back in, I expect it to continue with that midfield three of Georgina Kovacic and Kante as he probably still hasn't figured out how it's going to work. How do you drop one of them? And uh, the front three, I'd imagine uh, Pulisic, Willian and probably Michi Bashiwai as uh, obviously Frank Lambert isn't going to want to risk anything on, on Tammy Abraham as a young player. And uh, we'll probably be very cautious not to play him in this game if his injury is that bad. He said he's optimistic about it, but I can't see him playing in this game. So that's my pretty line of first. And for me, he should be beating this West Ham team. Overall, I think they line up with home advantage. We're on much, we're a much better team than better form, even though we haven't, even though we have drawn and lost our last two games. But. For me, I think we should win this game, and I'm gonna go with a scoreline of three-one. Yeah, uh, still don't think our defense is gonna be good enough to uh, hold them to a clean sheet, but uh, yeah, three-one I think is a fair scoreline, and I think that could be the final nail in the coffin for Manuel Pellegrini, or they could turn up uh, beat us and then all of a sudden they're back to life but i'm hoping it's i hoping it's the former and uh yeah moving on to that as part of this uh, new uh blue is the color podcast which is my chelsea podcast i do want to like kind of incorporate something from the football and Nutshell podcast i did the non football related uh non-football related topic at the very end which I could do that with this but instead I think I'm going to be like a random nostalgic Chelsea fan if you will uh, Chelsea fan topic that I'm going to talk about instead of that and uh, if you know I'll, I'll, it'll explain itself like 
this week, basically, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be ranking every season of uh, that I've been that every season this decade for Chelsea, which is like I'm going to put the I'm going to put the uh, nine ten and the nineteen twenty seasons in there together, so it will be eleven instead of ten. Oh, actually, will I? Which one will I... I'll probably X out this season, actually, because it's obviously there's going to be some current bias in that. So, And if you didn't know, I started supporting Chelsea in the Christmas of 2009, around that time. So this decade has literally been all my time as a Chelsea fan. So I'm going to rank every season based on my enjoyment for it, uh, from the worst to the best, and excluding this season. So, uh, yeah, starting off with the 20... In 10th spot, it can only be the 2015-16 campaign. Let's be 100% honest here. Uh, An absolute disaster for us. I mean, there was... I just remember the constant abuse of uh, saying that we were going to get relegated. Not a good time to be a Chelsea fan, especially not after such a convincing league win. Jose Mourinho, obviously now the man's dead to me. At the time, he was my favourite manager. And just seeing him crumbling, yeah, it was horrible. And uh, it can only come in at last place. That goes without saying, 2015-16 season was not a good one. But um, coming in at number 9, people may be a little bit shocked by this. But it's going to be last season's 2018-19 campaign. And yeah, there was this campaign, it's divided opinion. And a lot of people were pro-Sari, a lot of people anti-Sari. I was always in the camp of, he's not the right man for Chelsea. The 6-0 loss to Manchester City, damning... Uh, the 4 0 loss to Bournemouth, possibly even more so. Probably, well, I know a few City fans and don't know any Bournemouth fans, so maybe the City loss was worse for that standpoint. But, uh, yeah, for me, it has to. This season was a disaster. Looking like if you look at the trophies, I mean, uh, to win a Europa League and finish third, qualify, get ourselves back into the Champions League, that doesn't seem too bad, but, um, I don't obviously as a fan. I don't like football because I like seeing my team win trophies. I like football because I like watching football, and I enjoy watching my team play. And when it's just a chore to watch Chelsea play football, it's in so many games that season. Like it's, it really was a horrible, horrible year for Chelsea. And anyone who says otherwise, yeah, you're entitled to your opinion. But for me. You're you're just you're just a little bit wrong, and uh, now coming in at the number eight spot is it's going to be the uh, twenty twelve thirteen campaign under Rafa Benitez, uh, Roberto Di Matteo's sacking, real dampener on it, because uh, obviously all the fans he's won us our only ever Champions League, so people weren't happy about that. Rafa Benitez, a man who, in my opinion, is anti-Chelsea. I don't know how we can ever get the job. And uh, even though we won the Europa League, at the end of the day, you've seen that our two Europa League winning campaigns are put in an eighth and ninth. doesn't really mean anything to me, Europa League. There's nothing enjoyable about watching football on Thursday nights, let me tell you that. And, uh, yeah, for me, these are the standout candidates for the... Uh, for that's another standout kind of for a bad season as a Chelsea fan, which obviously is really terrible as a Chelsea fan. Obviously, I always love watching my team play, but um, yeah, it wasn't great. Let's be honest. And uh, 
Coming in at the number 7 spot now is going to be the 2017-18 campaign. Another recent enough campaign. But uh, it was a season in which we didn't... We lo- I mean, it, another heavy loss away to Bournemouth. 3-0, I believe we lost in, the, in this one. Uh, that loss to United was damning. When Conte lost to uh, United in the league after that whole rivalry. We got it back in the FA Cup, and the FA Cup, unlike the Europa League, is something I always love to see my team winning. And to win that there was pretty good. Hazard didn't have a great year that year. Uh, it was just a massive down year. And in the second half of the season, similarly to Understarry, just got a lot, a lot worse. And um, yeah, overall, I'd have to say that this was a, a poor season. Uh, by Chelsea standards finishing fifth, not getting into the Champions League next year, which always is the worst thing. Another like downer on uh, Sarri's time. Uh, so yeah, I'd put uh, I put that in there. Um, I'll put that in there at the seventh spot. I'm I'm very comfortable with that pick. Coming in number six is a very old season, the oldest one so far, and second oldest in total is the 2010-2011 season. Simply put. We didn't win any trophies. We didn't qualify for the top four. It was under Carlo Ancelotti. But the truth is, I don't remember much of it. <laughs> I was, what, six, seven years old at the time? Obviously, I'm not going to remember absolutely everything about a season. So there was no real standout moments. By all accounts, looking back, probably it probably wasn't a bad season for Chelsea. Uh, played pretty well. They competed on all fronts. But it's it's the season where there's no standard highs for me to remember at such a young age. Then uh, it it really can't come in any higher. I can't put in the top five, uh, of because of that uh, point. But uh, yeah, now it is time for number five, and uh, this is where it gets really interesting because of the last three, there are um, there's a Champions League winning campaign, three Premier League winning campaigns. And another campaign, which is going to come in at number five. Which, I'm not going to lie, it's a trophyless campaign, but it kind of does break my heart to put it in here. It's the 2013-14 campaign. Uh, this has been made easier uh, to put it down low, because Jose Mourinho is now, as I before mentioned, dead to me. And uh, is now as a, and um, yeah, it was his first season back at Chelsea. And I just remember, I think it was, it was the first season I ever wanted to see a Chelsea game this year. And it was against Newcastle. And I just remember coming out of the coming out of the bridge and uh, we'd just gone top of the league ahead of City and Liverpool. And uh, it was a great feeling. And got to the Champions League semi-final. Mourinho, like his whole, the whole swagger about him in that first season was unbelievable, Samuel Edo, I've a lot of nostalgia for him for some for whatever reason. Uh, Hazard was his first real campaign. He scored a hat trick when I went there. Uh, to watch him play uh, in that game against Newcastle. And uh, yeah, he really came into his own that year and it's a season I have a lot of love for. But ultimately it's a trophy list for campaign and as Mourinho's legacy is tarnished now it is hard to put it any higher than uh, the number five spot. So coming into the number four spot, again, 
on the subject of Mourinho tarnishing his legacy, I'm going to have to put in the 2014-15 campaign, the following campaign, in which uh, we did, it, in which we won the league of all these of the top four, which are all either Premier League winning campaigns or that Champions League winning campaign. Uh, it is. It is the uh, one that has to come in last because of the legacy of Charles. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to move straight on to number three. And this one is a tough one. Now it gets into the Champions League winning campaign in 2011-12. My first ever uh, season that I, that I uh, had as a Chelsea fan in 2009-10 where we won the league. And before anyone says anything else... I did not pick Chelsea because we won the league. It was midway through the season. I got I got a big box of match attacks in a folder. And the first player that I ever got was Didier Drogba, who uh, who uh, I've just decided who has had this like special card. I'm not I'm not 100 sure how it works, but I remember him. He was the first ever player I got, and I put him into the start of the book, and then I put all of my Chelsea players in there, and they therefore they became my favorite team. Which looking back at it, I'm glad it wasn't like a Blackpool player that had <laughs> entered the that had uh, come in there, or I'm not sure what other team. Blackburn were they in the league at the time? I think they might have been. And uh, yeah, thankfully it wasn't any of those players, or I could be a League Two fan at the minute. But uh, it was simply coincident, is what I was trying to say, that Chelsea won the league that year. And uh, yeah, it's not a glory hunting thing. I don't know. <laughs> So there's my little protest innocence uh, before anyone's actually asked anything. But uh, yeah, uh, 2009-10 anyways is going to be the uh, the number three. My first ever season, obviously, a lot of love for it, but only witnessed half of it because it was around Christmas that I started uh, following football. And um, yeah, under Carlo Ancelotti, one of Chelsea's best ever years in the Premier League. And uh, yeah, Drogba playing, uh, just have a lot, a lot of memories from when I was very young. But um, yeah, as I wasn't as engrossed into football at the time, uh, it doesn't come in as high as some of the as the top two really. But uh, still, an amazing season to be a Chelsea fan, as every season is. And number two, anyways, uh, the top two is the Champions League winning campaign. Under well, and first under Vieira Boas, and second under, um, and the second one is, and then under Roberto Di Matteo, and then the other one is that the first Conte season where we won the league with thirty wins and ninety three points, I believe it was, which is another recent season. And uh, yeah, the obvious answer is the Champions League winning campaign because obviously we won the Champions League it's the only time we've ever done that we won the FA Cup as well that year Drogba his ever, last ever season but we finished 6th in the league that year which is some people tend to forget that and under Villas-Boas it was terrible and uh, <laughs> therefore uh, does that take away from it because we had such a poor year domestically and on the week to week it wasn't as enjoyable as maybe nostalgia would allow it, but uh, I'm still going to put the 2016-17 uh, season in at number two under Conte. Phenomenal. It was it was just absolutely amazing. I love Conte as a manager, as one of the best ever Chelsea managers, and uh, and uh, yeah, it was a great season for us with the 3-4-3. Three, three. 
people like Victor Moses uh, becoming so invested in the team. It was so, it was so great to watch, and um, yeah, uh, it, was, it was so great to watch that year. And uh, but it just doesn't, it just can't come close to the the joy of winning the Champions League under Roberto Di Matteo. The road to the final, I can remember the Napoli comeback in the second leg, the Benfica game with Morales' celebration, that two-legged one against uh, Barcelona in the semi-finals with the. Uh, with the Torres goal at the end, the Drogba goal in the first leg, the Ramirez chip, the comeback in the second leg. Oh, it was fantastic. And then that final with the Drogba header and then the Drogba penalty. Yeah, there's a good reason for why Drogba is my favourite player ever. And, uh, yeah, ultimately it can't come anywhere but number one. So, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hopefully I'll be doing another Blue is the Colour, well, probably in less than a week after the West Ham game. Hopefully it's a very happy note to end on. And uh, to ho- hopefully it's a very happy note next week that I'm on next week. And uh, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.